Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Now we talk about baseball with Aram Layton. Tuesday, April 4th, the Just Baseball Show presented by BetMGM. We love betting with the king of sportsbooks. You should, too. Use the promo code JUSTBASEBALL. Uh, that is in our show notes. Jack, Aram, have yet to talk about opening weekend with Aram. Have yet to talk about going to opening day for the first time in a couple of years. You said that you were going to go. Uh, we have not gotten a recap. Sandy kind of stunk it up. Scherzer yeah. was fine, but how was opening day? And then how was opening weekend, man? It, it was good. It was good to be there. It was it was a total bitch to get to. Um, yeah. Traffic sucked. It seemed like everything that went so smoothly with the WBC. I think they just like went bare bones, you know, and like kind of trimmed the staff back a little bit. I was in a parking garage for an hour after the game. Um, so like that side of things kind of stunk. The game itself, great. Uh, you know, the Marlins gave you just enough offense to, to make the game interesting. Garrett Cooper, big home run. That was fun. Uh, but it was pretty interesting to see Sandy struggle like that. I've never really seen Sandy fight command issues quite to that degree. Scherzer, you said fine. Like, I thought he was really good up until that that Garrett Cooper swing, really. Like, he, he had been... Pretty damn sharp. Obviously, the Marlins lineup's not great. Uh, but it was just nice to be there, man. Like, decent crowd. A lot of Mets fans. Uh, Steve Cohen was in the stands, nice. uh, which was very funny. Boots over the with the Mets section. Just kind of walking around, doing his thing. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good environment. I saw Serena there. That was pretty cool. Uh, Serena Williams, the GOAT. Uh, but yeah, it was just cool to see the pace of the game. It was so fast, but it was really engaging. And, uh, I mean, what's better, what's a better example of the pitch clock when you got Sandy and Scherzer going, obviously if they were sharper, we would have saw it, you know, cruising a bit more, but it was, it was still a good ball game and, you know, 
reminded me a lot of that feeling of being a kid again at opening day. Yeah. Um, so Steve Cohen being in the stands kind of feels like what I read on. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say which website I read it on, but uh, I did read that Starbucks new CEO, which took over yesterday for Howard Schultz, the longtime CEO, plans on being a barista in several Starbucks stores on any given month, which like is kind of eyewash, but I also kind of love it. Like that's yeah. cool. It depends how you do it. It depends how you do it. Yeah. And it, it feels like it feels like Steve Cohen was very low key. Ed Marlins. I think he just wanted to feel like a fan. I really do like that, that guy. Steve Cohen is a fan. But he is not allowed to be a fan because he's the owner of the team and he's a multi multi-billionaire. So I think it just made him feel like a fan a little bit, just being in that crowd and just like trying to be like a normal person, I guess. Like I I I didn't I didn't see it as a me a me show. It wasn't like kind of the the eyewash kind of thing that I thought it might be. Yeah. So like the new CEO of Starbucks, like this is a me show. <laughs> this is, yeah, hundred percent. Look, look at me with the common folk. Look at me, just just low, like lowering myself. To the common folk, that's that's how much nor- of a normal guy I can be. Like that's that's kind of Gabe Kapler taking the Zoom at Starbucks, kind of the same 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 vein there. Yeah. I'm hanging with the poor people. Someone take a photo. Yeah, take a picture real quick. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm gonna ask you a really loaded question that I asked Peter. We already did like an opening weekend recap, but there are some trends that you and I both saw that we want to talk about. There is one when it comes to command or lack thereof that I thought was pretty jarring um, from box score looking from condensed game watching and from live game watching. I was like, guys are not finding the strike zone right now. And, and this loaded question that Peter and I had a good, you know, five, 10 minute conversation about on yesterday's show uh, is pretty indicative of that. Jack Flaherty, we think finally healthy dealt with shoulder stuff for the last couple of years, really hasn't been healthy since he was awesome in 2019. Five innings of no hit ball, shutout ball. He struck out four. He walked seven. He hit one hitter. I asked Peter, did Jack Flaherty pitch well, yes or no? We both fell somewhere in between yes and no. I think Peter was more yes than I was. I mean, he allowed free eight passes and he allowed eight free passes in five innings. Granted, no hits, no runs, but where do you lie on the yes or no question? Did Jack Flaherty pitch well on Saturday? I think he showed some good things, right? Like the breaking ball looked good and it was what allowed him to to get out of danger, but he created the danger all by himself. That's Anytime you, you walk seven and give up eight free passes, it's not a good outing. It's simply not. Whether whether you're a high school pitching coach, a college pitching coach, a major league pitching coach, number one thing they're going to tell you to prevent is walks. And I understand he didn't give up any hits, and that's the one thing that salvaged it. Because if he gave up one or two hits, he probably would have given up several runs. That's the difference. You can't always count on not giving up any hits, right? So if you walk seven guys, it's a red flag. It's a concern. And I think Jack Flaherty will, will... say that I, I felt good about certain things. I don't think he's chasing results at this point. I think he's chasing health and, and you know, execution. Obviously didn't execute in some ways, but did execute in others to be able to get some swings and misses on the break. He threw a couple nasty sliders that were on Pitching Ninja. But, uh, I mean, the, the VLO fluctuated. He did show a cutter that was interesting, so maybe that was why he wasn't commanding it well. But, but to answer your question directly, if you walk seven batters and give up eight free passes – you did not pitch well. I don't care if you threw five no-hit innings. Uh, and so to me, he didn't pitch well, but there were some decent signs there from him. Yes, so that is kind of where I stand too. And Peter was of the thinking where, hey, 
that's a really good Blue Jays lineup. And he ended up throwing five shutout innings. Okay, I can see that side of it. And I told Peter that. Um, but I mean, he created, you said it perfectly. He created so much trouble for himself. He put himself in so many high leverage situations where one miss pitch would have gotten him burned badly. And he had tons of miss pitches when it didn't burn him. So I can appreciate that he did throw five shutout innings, but what I can't appreciate is, you know, the whip is closer to one five than it is one. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like that that's something that if you're doing that <laughs> consistently, obviously it's going to catch up to you. Um, there's so many stats around walks and leadoff walks and and, and things like that. But also like the whip kind of speaks for itself. Um, and, and he would have, it'd be a FIP disaster if he's walking that many guys. And he just doesn't get enough swings and misses with the fastball to succeed that way. But I do think if the stuff is diminished, a cutter w- would be a great help. So that's something to follow there. Um, real quick, I just want to mention it before we forget, because it probably might not be on your like pre-show notes. Yeah, the Braves designated Jordan Luplo and selected Dylan Dodd. Okay, kind of interesting. Jared this- Schuster was optioned to AAA. Oh my gosh, why? I guess for Dylan Dodd. Why would that make any sense? Because they need both of them now. What is it's that weird, rotation? Right? This just happened. We're recording at two on Monday this, afternoon. It was at one ten while we were recording the call up. So you've I, got Freeze that's likely headed to the IL. You've got Kyle Wright on the IL. I mean, Freed, Strider, Morton. Who am I missing that's like healthy that's going to make start for them? What's well, interesting that Schuster, after one bad start, too, they said, you know, see ya. But but Which who's is, coming up? Bryce Elder? I guess. I, th- that's something that <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't have brought this up, I guess. I totally, no, that's so, so weird. But like Ian Anderson stunk. It's good that we're thinking out loud. I mean, like, so this is this is what Ross or Resource says. Max Free, it says Schuster's still there. So I don't understand why it's saying they optioned Schuster. Um Freed's gonna miss a start. He's going to the IL, it sounds like. Dodd is gonna start the fourth. So yeah. tomorrow. Yes, today. So today. <laughs> so today for those listening. Um yeah, I don't I don't understand. That's so weird. Okay, Luplo kind of makes sense for me because now that clears up a spot for Adrianza, so it's the bench is Darno, Adrianza who is a true utility guy, Sam Hilliard and Kevin Pilar. So I understand getting Luplo off the roster, but so, the Schuster Dodd juggle is weird. I think so I think just for for transparency like I'm pretty sure they haven't decided what the other spot's going to be. So maybe they're going to bring up Elder and let Schuster go work on something triple. That's pretty surprising given that it was just, it was a bad start. It was a really bad start against the Nationals, but like he was great in the spring. Why would you just send Schuster down? I have no idea. Um, also real quick, we we know it's probably not going to be Ian Anderson because that guy just can't find it right now. What's the no, deal? No, that, that was really rough to see. Um, he gave up six against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I mean, the triple A Marlins, the, yeah. the, the, the MLB Marlins are not good. Triple A Marlins line up ain't that good either. Uh, right. Really tough to see. Ian Anderson's going to be a dive that I'm interested to do very you soon. Said, you said he gave up six. He didn't make it out of the first inning. He got two he outs. Out yeah. I mean, like that's just, just super, it, it, it was, it was just rough. I think Burdick hit one one thirteen off of him. Like it was, it was rough. Also, here's the announcement from the Braves. 
Braves today selected the contract of Dylan Dodd to Atlanta Braves, optioned Jared Schuster to Triple A Gwinnett to make room for the, on the 40 man roster. Atlanta designated Jordan Luplo for assignment. So I think we're waiting for one more move. We uh, should to have one more corresponding move to Schuster getting optioned. Because Luplo got DFA'd. Was Luplo on the active roster, though? That's the question. Oh, I, I guess he, he might have not been. You don't think he was on the active roster. So that's the difference. So they just swapped them out. And then they had to create a spot on the 40 man because Schuster had been added to the 40 man. So it, it's such a, it's such a, a mind fuck sometimes with all this shit, but Dodd wasn't on the 40 man. So they had to also clear up a spot on the 40 man. Cause even though you're optioning Schuster to triple a, right. He still was on the 40 man roster, right? You'd have to designate him for assignment to, to clear him off the 40 man. Obviously it'd get claimed. In and two you seconds. don't so, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, for stringing along with us for this mental exercise, but that is how we got to where we are at. And that's how it all makes sense. I'm sure a lot of people probably had the same questions and then had the same kind of follow along there with us. So there you 100%, go. 100%. And uh, Schuster is a pretty good transition to the next point that I want to make. Command was just down across the board in the first couple games of the Major League Slate, the first weekend of the Major League Slate. We mentioned Flaherty walked seven, hit a guy in five innings. Schuster walked five guys in four and two thirds. He did not do that at the minor league level last year. He hardly did that at Wake when he was a demon deacon. Edward Cabrera, Sandy Alcantara, Sandy walked four in five never and thirds. I've like never seen so that. weird. Edward Cabrera walked six in four innings. Lance Lynn, Jesus Lazardo, Merrill Kelly, Sonny Gray, guys that are not walk prone, walked four guys. So then I started to dive into the overall trends. Overall, there were 15 starting pitchers this weekend that walked four or more guys. Compare that number 15 with 11 that walked four or more in the first weekend of last year. There were 30 that walked three or more guys this past weekend compared that number 30 with 23 that did that in 2022. Really odd. I think I point to the pitch clock. You brought that up on the call up and um, I, I think, I think you're totally right. Uh, you know, in the minor leagues, it was weird because they've had the pitch clock. So it was a little bit more layered major leagues. It's, it's cut and dry, right? You talked about it when we recorded about, you know, just not having that, that second to recalibrate, you know, and, and if you're on, it's a blessing because you want to get, you want to get on the rubber and go. And and oftentimes we see hitters try to disrupt the, the rhythm of a pitcher that said, pitchers are trying to get into rhythm. And sometimes when you aren't in rhythm, it's hard to just magically get there without taking a breather, taking a lap around the mound, kind of doing your thing, whatever, whatever your MO is to get rolling. So I a hundred percent think that was part of it. And I think, you know, also you have the, the fatigue that might come with it a bit too, because you are go, 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 go. Don't have as many breathers, as many, you know, chances to kind of slow down. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a hundred percent a factor here. Yeah. It's something that I think pitchers will adjust to, but there's no doubt that I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw walks up through this first series. Yeah. Again, you need a rhythm breaker and like, That was my worry last year, I think, when we were getting into the AAA season and you had the pitch clock. How are these guys going to find a quicker rhythm breaker or a quicker lack of rhythm breaker, almost slamming the reset button hard? And we see a lot of guys go grab the rosin bag. You kind of have to like speed walk to the rosin bag to get it and be ready to go now. So is there a quick cue that guys can figure out during bullpens where it's all right i need to feel this nasal inhale in through the nose out through the mouth let's go 
you know, a simple shoulder shrug. If you can find a five second reset as opposed to the 15, 20 second reset that some of these guys had, then good. Obviously, it's going to take a lot more than one start to find that reset. 100%. And these guys will find it, right? Like, I, I'm not worried about it, but it is an interesting note out of the gate. Um, You know, for someone like Jared Schuster, I, I don't think that's why he struggled. And I think that's why we see him in AAA because he works quicker than anybody I saw in the minor leagues last year. Yeah. Uh, both of us said that. And, you know, ultimately just seemed like he just had that the the pregame jitters there, the first game jitters. What's interesting is Peter talks about his betting systems yeah. and one of the most foolproof for him has been rookie pitchers making their MLB debut on the road. It's, it's so niche and so weird, but he has brought it up to me almost every single time a guy debuts now. And, and like, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can just tell you anecdotally, it's like the last, the last five times the guys have gotten racked and I'm like, all right, man, Peter, like I'll, I'll buy this one from you. Like it it really is real. Um, so, you know, that, that, that is something that is interesting, but clearly I think there was a a, a release point issue, a mechanical issue that they wouldn't just send him down. The good news is, is they have Dodd kind of plug and ride back in. But with some of the veteran guys, like, like a Sandy, um, you know, Sandy, remember he didn't have spring training. He threw in the world baseball classic, which I think got him ready on an intensity level. Yeah. Um, but didn't get him ready in a rhythm level. And, yeah, and I think Sandy was, this was one of his, you know, he didn't have nearly as many starts with a pitch clock because the world baseball classic was slow as all hell. We didn't care because it was sick, but yes. like that, that was kind of the, one of the first, Legit, legit starts with the pitch clock form. Great point, because three of those four other names that I mentioned that walked four in their first start, Lance Lynn, Team USA, Merrill Kelly, Team USA, Jesus Lizardo, Team Venezuela. So you've got these guys that didn't get those two or three more starts that they would have gotten in spring training with the pitch clock. Instead, they were rearing up and they were at 100% every pitch. You have 20 to 30 seconds between pitches to do that. Hell, you have as much time as you want. So, yeah, I I guess these guys were just not ready, maybe with the rhythm breaker that that they were hoping they would have. I I really think that that's 100% what it was. And it's funny, you look at the hitting side. Yeah. A lot of the WBC participators are raking. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think those are guys that had, had things going offensively and it was higher intensity than spring training forced them to lock in a little bit more. And I think they were more locked in going in trace Thompson at three home runs. I, I we were talking about, I'm, I'm on Bozo watch for, for saying that, that trace Thompson was a fluke last year. I it, we'll see it's one game, but just to say like, he's locked in, right? I mean, that's three bombs from him. You've got some other guys that played in the WBC. Even Yohan Mankata is off Mankata to a phenomenal start. Mullins off to a great start. A lot of the WBC guys, Kike Hernandez swinging it really well out of the gate. A lot of these WBC guys are are off to great starts offensively. I don't think it's a coincidence. So uh, while while the adjustments to the pitch clock may be you know a little bit counterproductive for for the pitchers that were pitching in the WBC, um, I think for the hitters they are a little bit more locked in because there's a lot of guys that were playing in that, that are of course, Randy off to a great start as well right. through these first few games, small sample, but I don't think it's a coincidence that many of the top hitters through the first three games were guys that, you know, were playing the highest intensity ball games, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. So I've got a Randy, a Rosarena question for you. And Randy is a guy that like everybody has fallen in love with, whether it be in the postseason or in the world baseball classic. Note those environments. This is tournament guy that we're talking about, Randy Arozarena, and he has a rookie of the year. Um, he is a career 810 OPS guy in the regular season, 
But when you go to the postseason, Randy Arozarena is an 1100 OPS guy. He OPSed, I think, close to 1400. What's, what's his that. What's his WRC plus in the postseason? 203. I think so. I think it's over 200. I don't have that now because I'm on Baseball Reference. But I, I mean, I think it's 203. I want you to pull that up later. <laughs> yes, I will. But like Arozarena, dude. I mean, he is such a joke in the postseason, and he was such a joke during the World Baseball Classic in a good way. You know, we're we're talking about this guy is like one of the best players on the planet when the lights are on. When the lights are relatively off, what does Randy Rosarena look like? And I think the answer has been good player. But now in the first three games, he's three for 10 with a double, a homer. He's gotten 1,100 OPS through 13 plate appearances. So I ask you, does Randy relatively break out this year? Does he become a great player? Or do you think he is an 800 OPS guy? And when the Rays get into the postseason, he ups it again. Like, is this just the Randy that we have to come to assume? It's weird because I think it's a great question. Um, I mean, we've like roughly talked about it in the past, but never really like gave our full thoughts on on what we think he will be. It's kind of just like an interesting situation. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big believer in guys becoming different players in the postseason. Like I really am not. I think great players perform in the postseason. And I think some players maintain that low heart rate a little bit better than others, but I'm not a believer in like good player becoming great in the postseason. I just don't really think that's a thing. Randy Rosarena is, you know, the exception. I'm a hundred percent. Like you can't deny what he has done. The sample size is too big. We have over a hundred plate appearances in, in the playoffs, and then we have the World Baseball Classic. So clearly, there's something there for him when when that intensity level rises. For me, I think he's talented enough to be not a 203 WRC plus or whatever it is on, on FanCrafts, but in the postseason, I, I think he's good enough to be a fringe All Star. And I think he has to find a way to lock in for 162 because we've seen him go through stretches. He's a streaky player. He goes through stretches in the big league season where it's it's torrid and he looks like he the guy that we see in the playoffs. I think for him, it is just a matter of finding a way to get yourself that fired up, locked in and amped up for 162. I think every guy has that struggle. But I think we see what's in there for Ronald Acuna, or excuse me, for Randy Arozarena. I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at uh, Acuna's stats through the first few games too. But with Randy Arozarena, like I think that's he's got to find a way to get that intensity out. Um, and, and maybe he did. So if he did, if he found a way to get himself that locked in, that could just be the difference. So I think it's very possible that we could see more from Arozarena at this point. It doesn't help that he plays his regular season games and one of the you know biggest just just kind of deserts that there are in baseball stadiums with the way Rays fans are and, and, and with the way that stadium kind of is set up. So uh, if he finds a way to get himself locked in, I, I do think that could be a difference. He jumps from a 130 WRC plus guy on his career in the regular season to 203 in the postseason. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Spot okay. on 203 nice. WRC plus in the postseason, 130 WRC plus in the regular season and a 130 WRC plus Very is good. really good. He is not a great defender traditionally in the regular season. That's a focus thing too, man. Like, it's a, think about no, it. No, that is like the focus thing. I think every major league hitter dials in for plate appearances, right? Because like that's where they earn their money. Like that's where they win arbitration cases. You don't lose a hundred million dollar contracts by playing a shitty corner outfield. Like Juan Soto is terrible in a corner, and he's going to be a half a billion dollar player. Nobody has any yeah. doubts about that. Juan Soto knows that his money is made at the plate. Randy Arozarena, like he knows the plate is where you got to lock in. If he locks in defensively like he was in the World Baseball Classic, I mean, we could be talking about an all-star and we could be talking about 
a nine-figure type guy instead of an eight-figure type guy, which is still really good. I think it would be fair to call Randy Rosarena the most fascinating player in baseball for that exact reason. Just because like we don't know. Like he might just still be the same guy or he could be a nine-figure player. There's not that many guys that it's that wide of a range. Um, And and I'm really excited to see, because I think after this year, it's pretty much cut and dry. Like if if he doesn't level up to another, another point this year, I think we kind of know that it's just the the dichotomy of Randy Rosarena and that's just going to be what it is. So yes or no, does he level up? I think he does. I I don't think he levels up to like superstar or whatever. Like I I think he levels up just a full notch. I think the defense is a notch better. And I, I, again, I think, I think he realizes that there's money coming soon. He's, you know, the, the years of arbitration are dwindling. I think he's going to be a free agent in two years. I think so. Um, So like, I think he realizes like, Hey, if I, if I can prove that I can do this over 140, you know, uh, it doesn't even have to be all 162 defensively. And also it's just like, you know, sometimes guys will take a pitch off or two, you know, like in the box, even it's a, it's a five run game in the eighth. You might not be as locked in. Um, I agree that they probably don't do it as much as they do it in the field. Guys definitely do it in the field. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that firsthand, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that could be a difference maker for him. I mean, we could talk about good defense could put him with the offense that he already puts up. If, if that's a slight improvement offensively, good defense can make him a five, one player. 2021, he won the rookie of the year with a 3.8 F war. I think he could be a five win guy. Like yeah, I think that he could better that by a, a whole win, which is mm-hmm. really impressive from Randy. And I, I no do doubt. think even though he has been good, this could be a massive breakout coming from him. Um, and the Rays, I, the Rays may kick themselves if they don't extend him, if he puts up a monster year this year. Which is why I think we're going to get a news release at some point soon. Um, five years, I, 75 million with an option on the back end, I think. Yes. If I were a betting man, I would say that Eric Neander and Randy Rosarena's people are already sitting down. I, I think that he knows what they could have here and what they already do have. In terms of appeal, Randy Rosarena is going to bring people to Tropicana Field. And that's a really hard thing to do. But the duo of Wander and Randy in that lineup on a McClanahan start day or on a glass now start day, or the way Rasmussen is trending on a Rasmussen start day. Must see TV. Must see TV. So now I know one of your takeaways was that weekend at the Trop. Yeah. I mean, they looked lights out. Jeffrey Springs is that dude. <laughs> and I, that was going to be my question. So I wanted to, to pose a question to you. Because we, I think we, we have statistically, you talked about in the last episode, right? Who, who the worst offense was through through the first week. Did you talk about that? I didn't mention the WRC plus number. I saw this on Twitter and I'll, I'll hunt down who put it yeah. out. But So the Detroit, you have the WRC plus number, then I'll pose the question. The Detroit Tigers put up a 15 WRC plus in okay. the first three games. So they faced the the Rays through those first three games. Is that more of a terrible Tigers lineup or a lights out Rays pitching staff? And I know that the correct answer is probably a little of both, but it's not going to be 50-50 split down the middle, right? There's going to be a slight favor to one of them. Which one is it to you? I think the Rays rotation is that good. Yes, I think that's the correct answer, too. I think the Tigers are not going to hit that well this year, but I do think they're going to hit better. I, it hasn't changed from what I said before the season. I think they're going to hit better than a lot of people think, and I think that a lot of young hitters and and um, a lot of bounce-back candidates in in you know Meadows, even Javi Baez, 
just got thrown into a buzzsaw for the first week on the road, like the first the first series, and, and they got carved up. Watching the the, the video of those games, I, I was watching a, a quick pitch, and then uh, Dero was also breaking down springs and a couple of these. These guys, it wasn't just like challenge you and blow by you. They were just dicing, hitting their spots. It was a tunneling masterclass. Like these guys were all locked in specifically springs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are the Tigers, is the Tigers offense, you know, on the weaker side, potentially sure. For sure. But I, I think that this was a statement from the Rays pitching staff. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's going to taper off anytime soon. And I think that the Tigers lineup is going to bounce back in the next couple of years. I think they're going to put up some good numbers against the Red Sox pitching staff. I do. Yes, and we're going to see Rasmussen start in Washington tonight. We're talking about that last night, and then we're going to see Josh Fleming start a game tonight in Washington. Then it turns back over to McClanahan off day. You got Eflin starting a series at home against Oakland. So it does really help the narrative that the Tigers are opening with, or that the Rays are opening with the Tigers, the Nats, and the A's. Yeah. But when fully healthy, they just handed Zach Eflin $40 million and he may not even be in the five man rotation. That's how good they could be in August. McClanahan Springs, Rasmussen glass now and Taj Bradley. If he bounces back after this tough first start, like dude, you could trade one of them and not feel it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And they won't, <laughs> but like maybe in the off season, They'll figure but, it out. Like if they go six man rotation, that, that could be, they could run away with the staff ERA title. So I, on the, on the Zach Eflin point, cause I thought he's looked really good already. And that's the thing. They got so many different options that they can ride different hot hands and there's no fall off. Like we talk about so many rotations where it's like good top three, but man, that four five, not a problem with the Rays at all. Uh, quick plug to our random MLB trades Twitter account that I sporadically run that I've been cold on recently. Um, this trade's going to make it right after this episode. Zach Eflin was involved in a trade in 2014. He's, he was involved in two trades in two days in 2014, and they're both hilarious. Zach Eflin was traded by the San Diego Padres with Yasmani Grandal and Joe Wieland, Wieland to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Matt Kemp, Tim Fedorowicz, and cash, right? Fedorovich. You don't Fedorovich. remember Tim Fedorovich catching legend? I'm uh, not really. Right. Um, next day, he is traded by the Los Angeles Dodgers with Tom Wendell, a minor leaguer, to the Philadelphia Phillies for Jimmy Rollins. That's just like that's a sick trade resume. He that's was involved great. in trades with Grandal, Kemp, and J Roll. That's really good. Shout out yeah. Zach Eflin, man. Guy's been around the block and all of a sudden he been got around the block. He was a first round pick, 33rd overall in 2012. That is really cool. McClanahan looked awesome. I like I don't want to take anything away from McClanahan because it's oh, it's the Tigers. Um, but McClanahan just looked great. And I, I think that that guy, you know, people are already talking about him as like a top 10 pitcher in baseball. I think inarguably that guy's going to be a top 10 pitcher in baseball by year's end. I, I think, think it's already kind of inarguable, but also when you, when you then list out 10 arms, I'm like, gosh, shit. So I get it. I know. Like it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, top 10, no doubt. And then you list them out. But that like, said, like, I think it's pretty inarguable that he's right there. Yeah. And I think that people are, are going to put Rodon over McClanahan right now, but it, you know, if Rodon can't make it through the whole season, I know he he's probably due back in a month or two. Um, if Rodon, you know, struggles when he's back and McClanahan looks like McClanahan, I, I think we're talking about McClanahan, Cease, and Sandy 
as the new guard of pitching. I, I can I can get with that a hundred percent. Speaking about, of which, yeah, yeah. I was say I was say how about Kodai Sanga? So speaking of which, fourteen arms that threw three innings or more in an outing this weekend sat ninety seven or above. Think about that. Think about new baseball. 14 starting pitchers. There's one swingman in here, Dre Jamison, who is flat out awesome against the Dodgers. But Hunter Green, the only one to sit 100 plus, understandably, so it's Hunter Green. Green, DeGrom, Otani was third. Strider, McClanahan, Dustin May, who was great. Yep. Sandy, Lozardo, Garrett Cole, Jamison, Dylan Cease, Kodai Sanga, Brandon Woodruff, Luis Castillo. Sat 97 with their heater. This is a new age, baby. Enjoy yeah. it. It's fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch. And and a lot of some of those guys are, you know, sitting upper 90s with with run and sink, like Dustin May and Sandy. And uh, what was crazy too is off of that heater, you had Kodai Senga throwing that ghost fork, man. And he, I don't know if I've ever really seen anything like that. Again, he diced up a Marlins lineup. I don't care. I, I th- that that pitch, the way that pitch was moving. That'd be a problem against any lineup. That was really fun to see. Uh, Sanga, we talked about. I think he could be one of the best threes, if not the best three three starter in baseball. Um, I'm excited to see him against some other uh, some other lineups and you know really show that off because that pitch works to lefties and righties. It's gonna be a lot of fun. The consensus around Kodai Sanga was seventy five million dollars was very cheap for him. Hundred percent. I think we saw that right away. Hundred percent. I got a question for you off of that Mets Marlins situation. Yeah, How Luis Arise is him. Luis Arise is, is that dude. But yeah. I think it, it encapsulates, like, Luis Arias got on base four times in a game and did not score. Yeah. like That, that is, you know, like, the, you, you see the the meme of the Bugatti and, like, the trailer park house. Right. Like, like that, that kind of is the way it is because I look at, at what they got with Jazz Chisholm now in center field, which is, I'm going to give you a question on that you're negating the value of your most talented player um, and, and having him out there. I, I'm I'm here for them to try it. We'll see what happens. But um, Araya is, is going to get on base. He's hitting over 500. He looks like he is going to just pick apart those gaps because he can just flick balls that are going to land over there. And he hits it hard enough to where you still have to give him respect over the head, right? Like he, we saw him put balls out. Like he's going to hit it hard enough to where you can't just play him shallow. You can't give him that. So he's still at, he's going to use those long depot gaps to his advantage. I think if he's healthy, he's going to win the batting title again because yeah. not only are you going to give him a lot to hit as a leadoff guy because you're not really worried about anybody after him. Go after him. If he hits a single, strand him. But there's no reason to walk him. I think he's going to hit for the batting title again. I really do. But that's my overreaction early here. But how long do you give Jazz Chisholm in center field? Another bad play. He was shaded over because of the because sh- of like the the shift or the, the the cue cards that they had, but it doesn't really matter. He made a a, a play that you know most I'd say almost every single center fielder, most outfielders probably catching stride, looked brutal. Dove got by him, didn't make a difference. It was five one already or four one already, uh, but this will make a difference. And the Marlins are you know trying not to be out of it in the first two months of the season. The worst thing that can happen for a franchise like the Marlins is indifference early in the season, then no one shows up and they're already, you know, battling with that. So my question is how long do you let this, this experiment go in center field with jazz Chisholm? Yeah. So not much longer. And and the play that you're referring to, he was shaded a, a little bit towards right center and the ball was hit dead center to left center. And he was running to his backhand. 
And you're right. So many other center fielders, I think any natural center fielder gets a way better jump, even at the AAA level, gets a way better jump and will make that catch in stride. What you saw from Jazz was a late dive and an even later like jab with the glove at the ball. It was so weird because it just got on him way quicker than body. it got on him way quicker than he thought. Yeah, like tech- he hasn't he hasn't seen it. He hasn't read balls like that. Like it just got on him way faster. Yeah, like mechanically, I, th- I think any baseball fan can say mechanically that was terrible outfield defense. And I think yeah. that you know Jazz would probably say that that was terrible outfield defense. No, he, he'd say he'd say that he was deking them or something like that. I don't yeah, know. for sure. Like I, I thought you know maybe if I let that drop and hit the wall, we could we could throw him out at home. third. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, no, man. I mean, I wouldn't give it much longer at all. I ask you you know, how do you restructure the infield to get him back there? Do you think that Jazz can play short? Like, is Wendell just not that's, the short stuff? That's the thing that I'm thinking about, though, is like, okay, they moved him off a of short because he was kind of shaky there. Um, and now, after you make him try to sink or swim in center, now you're going to move him to shortstop where he hasn't played in over a year and say right. sink or swim there. Obviously, he'll be better there, but it might not be, you know, wonderful there, too. So I would probably say I would ride it out as long as you can't like as long as you can take Joey Wendell at short because the big problem with this is that Joey Wendell has been terrible through three games we'll see how he does he needs more time yeah um but I think John Birdie is the big you know and we don't need to spend too much time on this on this Marlins team but I think John Birdie is the big factor here he can play center at a decent level and he can play shortstop and that guy led this the league in steals last year and we saw stolen bases almost up double on opening day so I, I, that's a guy that should be in this lineup way more. Maybe they give him some action at short, see how he does. If both Birdie and Wendell struggle at short, then at that point I say screw it and put Jazz there. But I think you know you, you already are kind of making him try to figure it out at one spot. Why, you know why why put him through that again? His offense is going to struggle at that point. So as much as it is tough to watch, I think you got to give it like a full calendar month. I think yeah. you got to give it this whole month and just see what happens because otherwise you are, you're going to be fucking with this kid way too much. And this is your best hitter. Like at least your best upside OPS hitter, um, yeah. you know, obviously arises your most, you know, polished hitter, right. but in terms of like, who's going to take you to the promised land, it's jazz Chisholm with an 850 OPS. It's the only way this team can win anything. Um, so, you know, that, that, that to me is just too much for this guy. Um, so I, I think they got to just let it go for a month and see how disastrous it is, and also hope that they get more from their shortstop position. But what what did they think was going to happen? I I, I said this, uh, you know, I said this off on Twitter. It uh, after that play, like it turns out, a prerequisite to playing center field at a decent level at the major leagues is having played center field at all in your entire life. Yeah, like of course it is. What did we think was going to happen? That kid made some great moves. Uh, Ryan's deal being one of them. But come on, <clears throat> like this is just like. The least surprising thing, you know, like it's just, it's just, it's just shocking to me. Like, I feel like other major league GMs and and major league front offices have to be sitting there and thinking, what are they doing? Yeah. Like, why did they do that to him? And, you know, I, I think that construction around jazz didn't necessarily go according to plan. Like, I think Wendell is just an anchor for your roster right now. And stalling sucks. Like, I I think Nick Fortes might be the catcher. Yes. He already looks good. Yeah, so obviously, like, you've got Wendell at short. If you want to make Jazz the most comfortable, he's back at second base. Arise stays in the lineup. He goes to first. We know he played first uh, in Minnesota. But then what happens to Garrett Cooper? You know what I mean? Like, Yuli Gurriel, there's no weight attached to him. Like, you can, you know, nip that if you want. 
But what happens to Garrett Cooper? Does Garrett Cooper DH? Okay, then what happens to Solaire? Like there, Solaire's in the outfield. There's there's a lot of just like there's so many like puzzles. You know those puzzles that are like within a box and there's one open space and you need to complete the photo. Yep. It's imp- like, dude, those are impossible to solve. And that's what the Marlins lineup is right now. You know what that's called? What? Poor roster construction. Correct. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but you're 100% right. You're 100% right. And you know what I think the the, the big thing that's going to kind of clear things up for them is once Avi Garcia gets relegated to the bench, which I think is not far away from happening. Very soon, right? Yep. Sounds like it. Does Sandy bounce back tonight? He takes on Kenta Maeda at 640. Yes, I do think so. I do think so. A couple other arms. Do you have one more takeaway? Because I kind of want to run through the uh, notable pitching matchups for tonight. That's kind of something I want to do like for every episode. Like, hey, here's your viewing primer for tonight. 100%. No, nothing nothing really from me. Scherzer looking to bounce back in Milwaukee. He's against Wade Miley at 740. Scherzer, I guess, is pretty interesting there. Dylan Dodd is major league debut against what I call the best lineup in baseball right now with Altuve out in St. Louis. Steven Matz makes his season debut. Pretty interesting. I'm very interested in that. He looked good in the spring. Yeah. And, and St. Louis, the only team through the opening weekend with the WRC plus over 200. Like they shit on the Blue Jays. They were good top to bottom. Are you drunk on the Brendan Donovan Kool-Aid like I am? Oh, yeah. No, no it's it's clear, man. He, he, he's he been just taking over games. Dude. Bro's been taking over. How about Burley, too? Burleson swinging it. Nolan Gorman looks more refined in the box. Swing looks way better. Um, His moves look way better. That guy, I think, has figured something out. It's not fair what they have over here now. Like, Dylan Carlson's a bench player. A bench player. I know. Tyler O'Neill was a pinch hitter. Dylan Carlson stayed in the lineup. O'Neill pinch hit for Burleson on Sunday. I but, like that a lot, though, because that, that that's going to allow them to keep a lot of guys fresh, especially someone like O'Neill who's often injured. Right. Um, even some of the older guys you can get Goldie a day off here and there. Um, you can get Arenado, who's not even really old, but like get him a day off here and there. Like they're going to talk about the opposite. They can mix and match, and the puzzle pieces fit perfectly. It's like master of Tetris, the way that this Cardinals roster, it allows them to move and shake so easily. I will, I'll take my take a step farther, actually. I think the Cardinals could build themselves enough capital that by the time Altuve comes back, even with Altuve in that Astros lineup, they could still be the best lineup in baseball. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, I think, I think the big factor would be how good is Jordan Walker and how good is Tommy Edmond offensively? Yeah. Um, if those two guys are, Putting up good numbers, I'd take that lineup with any. Um, I am going to watch an Oakland A's game tonight at 940. I'm sorry. I want to hear Dallas Braden analyze Shane Bieber. I think that that is going to be pitching porn. So if you are <laughs> interested in, in that, Bieber looked flat out unbelievable on Thursday night in Seattle last week. I, I think that obviously he's going to carve through in, in A's lineup. And I think Dallas Braden talking about that on the A's telecast is going to be great. Uh, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I might have to tune in then. And you know, is it in Oakland? It's in Oakland. You know, Bieber is going to just be aggressive and just, yes. he paints, but like can paint with a little bit more aggression. That's going to be fun to watch. I That should be minus 300 by our friends at BetMGM. <laughs> <laughs> that should be, that should legitimately be minus 300. I don't I know what so. it is, but it should be that. Uh, one afternoon game today, you tuned in for Gallon and Darvish in San Diego. Yeah, I want to see Darvish. Uh, is, he, is he thrown yet this year? No, season debut. No. So that should be interesting. 
Um, yeah, Rowanzi Contreras, I, I'm buying the stock in Rowanzi right now. He makes his season debut against King Nick Pavetta at Fenway Park. Jeez. It's a good chat. It's a good test for Rowanzi. Tough place to pitch. Not the worst lineup. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see that because he the stuff is is silly. It's just about the command. And then also, um, somebody that if you're ever watching a Brewers game, it, we've got the next Hunter Pence who just got called up. And yes. Joey Weimer, uh, Joey Weimer, awesome guy, friend of the call up. Uh, he's been on the show multiple times. Um, just just so much fun to watch. Elite power. Brewers brought him up after Arias went down with an injury. Um, he's going to take over the outfield for now. And he's got 30 home run power and 20 plus stolen base potential. Like he's he you won't see someone that hits more frantically. Uh, he plays like his hair is on fire. Uh, that's why I call him Hunter Pence. But yeah. he is so much fun. I hope he succeeds, uh, but that's a guy that if you're ever tuning into a game, look out for him because I can tell you he's a good dude, and I can tell you he is really fun to watch. And he has a legit 80-grade arm. like a Oh, it's, it's, a, it's too much sometimes. He like throws it to the backstop. I'm like, bro, like he's, he's like one of those guys. He's a big janitor throw guy. Yeah, uh, we love that. We love that. No, I'm telling you, he's, must, he's a must-watch player. Uh, and, and for the Brewers, though, to add that kind of pop, of course, he's not proven like Arias. But to be able to just plug in another guy into the outfield that can that can miss hit baseballs out of American Family Field, and that's in your your eight or nine hole with his speed too. This is a really dynamic lineup now. Terang has looked great, hitting four twenty nine to start the season. That's my guy. I think he's going to steal bags. But they've got speed, more power than before. Good on base ability. This Brewers lineup is a lot more dynamic than it's been in previous years, thanks to a balance of the prospects and, and some of the guys that they brought in. And Weimer's going to catch a fastball at some point and get and hit it every, 480. Yeah. Like, and get every stitch of it. And it's going to be like Stantonian. Like, we're talking yes. about this ball. That video is going to go mega viral. A hundred percent. I can't wait. Um, real quick, you assembled your second So Rare lineup. Our friends at So yes. Rare. It's, it's the perfect blend between like almost fantasy baseball and collectibles. It's not daily fantasy because you set your lineup for the whole week. Yes. So for those listening now, they would have just missed on this week, but you can you can get it set up for next week if you haven't done it yet. If you made a lineup already week one, then those are the cards that you have. And the way it works is you can either buy cards to you know accentuate your lineup or continue to enter competitions with the cards that you picked last week. And depending on how you finish, you'll get rewards. So that's I'm learning on the fly here too. So I finished pretty well with my last lineup. And I got a random common card that ended up being Francisco Lindor. So now I entered the same competition for week two and I was able to swap out like Jonathan India for Lindor because that was the card that I was able to add for free to my collection. So you can build off of just the free initial lineup and then continue to finish well in these competitions and get free cards as rewards. Or if you're really loving this and want to spend a few bucks, then that's where you can buy you know, the, the rare cards or the super rare cards that can put you into competitions where you can win, you know, thousands of dollars in Ethereum. And then also you get card rewards that are worth a lot more too. Ethereum, are you going to be armlayton.eth? .eth? No, if I come in first, maybe. Um, but, that- you know, so I'm, I'm still doing the free competition. It's the minor league competition. I think it's called the minors. Um, but join that. Send me your lineups. I had a few people DM me their lineups. I love it. Um Keep in mind, if you if this is the first lineup you're making, these will be the cards that you have as your baseline for the season, but you will get a ton of rewards as you continue to put together decent lineups, 
get better cards. Uh, and that link is in the description so that they know that we sent you. Uh, that's always very helpful as well. But so rare is a lot of fun. I'm honestly like, it, you know, I, I know when we do partnerships and things like that, um, you know, people might think, like, oh, they're, they're just pushing something. This is one that I actually, I actually know. I'm good. Yeah, this is one that I actually am going to be playing a lot and have a lot of fun with. And I'll kind of share what I'm learning. I already did buy my first card, though, but I'm going low budget. I bought a, a rare Michael Massey. So I'm trying to buy like the rare cards that I think are going to be cheaper because people don't realize they're about to go off. I'm going to buy a Graham Ashcraft soon too. Yes. enter those higher stake competitions. But also in the meantime, I'm trying to build up my collection with those common cards and I got a Lindor, which is going to help me. We'll see if I can finish high enough to get another good common card and uh, try to finish higher this week. Love it. Every other link you need is in the show notes. Aram and Peter on the Just Baseball Show tomorrow. Go listen to the call up. We validated or invalidated some rough starts for mm-hmm. some top pitching prospects on AAA opening day. So go listen to the call up show and go with Taylor Davis this Tuesday episode. We've got, um, I'm literally asking him to say yes or no on breakout candidates. And I've got like 40 listed <laughs> like, Hey, Bryce Terang, Yes or no. Hayden Wisniewski. Yes or no. Like, and we're going to yes, go through yes. that rapid fire. Um, every other, you know, podcast is great on the network. Just fantasy baseball streamer options available now. So they'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 